0: I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman, and I am excited to have my next guest join me who's been focused on sales enablement for years. In fact, I was first exposed to Travis Dobler when he was facilitating a training that several of my team members were attending. And I was just really impressed with everything he did. So you may be asking, well, hey, this is a sales podcast. Why are you bringing on an enablement guy? Well, I, I think you know, diversity and you know, that cumulative experience that somebody in sales enablement sometimes sees or gets is valuable to the audience because they're looking and they're talking to lots of salespeople as they come through these different training programs. And uh, so I'm really excited to bring him on and uh, hear some of his experience and, and just kind of what he's seen over the years from some, some of the uh, top performers that uh, have come through the programs that he has facilitated. So let's jump into the interview. Travis, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Always fun to be the enablement guy encroaching on another sales
0: space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really, really excited to have you on and thank you for doing this. So um, I didn't provide a lot of background on what you've what you've done. Do you want to provide a little, little bit more uh, insight into your background in kind of the tech sales and sales enablement world? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I started off in advertising. Um, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to um, apparently make not enough money to live in some big city like New York or L.A. And when I got further along in that degree and through internships, I realized it wasn't the right work for me, especially for my wallet. Uh, I fell into staffing sales, which anybody who has done staffing before, whether in-house or at a firm, you know, it's just an absolute grind. The place I was at, you had to be there 7.30 to 5.30 minimum, clean shaven face. Uh, I watched people get sent to the bathroom with five o'clock shadow or get fired for showing up at 7.31. When I figured out staffing wasn't for me uh, and the account management there, I jumped across the street. Uh, Citrix was right across the street. And I had a couple of colleagues that had gone over there who told me, Wow, how great is it to work in tech, call somewhere that's a better industry, somebody that recognizes the name and you don't have to do as much of that who you are brand awareness selling, you get to do the relationship building. So I jumped over to Citrix, started off inside sales there for a couple of years. I supported Boston Metro, upstate New York and Rhode Island. I became a partner account manager, sold in our channel for a little bit, which was my first field sales role. A lot of fun for a couple of years in that one as well, up and down the eastern seaboard, Atlanta, D.C., the Tech Triangle, New York. I loved it. Uh, I just knew that I love training my partners on things more. The in-house and committee stuff that I had done, uh, enabling others uh, was always rewarding for me. So. Uh, The Friday that the pandemic started, March 13th of 2020, my manager actually told me that she was about to quit. uh, And I told her, well, I've been thinking about making a career change. And she fully endorsed me to go over to enablement, which was a team I'd been looking
0: at for a couple of years. Oh, I didn't know you started that right during the pandemic. Because I guess we we only met over video. So, okay.
1: Yeah, see, I was always in the video. I've always been one of these people in a box. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So why leave sales? I mean, you you touched on it, but why leave uh, the lucrative world of sales and go into sales enablement?
1: Man, you know, it is lucrative. And if there's one thing I miss, it's the paychecks on the 15th. I'd left because sales was almost a rock in my shoe. And it's not this way for everybody. Or maybe some people, it feels like even bigger of a rock and they have higher pain tolerances. I think that somewhere between my mom being a teacher and some of that pressure that comes with carrying a bag, I'm just always better at maintaining these longer projects. It seemed to just make sense with where my focus and my passion was. I wasn't the sales guy who tries to be a slick willy and make a bunch of money or hit you with some sort of fee afterwards or something. Um, I was the sales guy who truly wanted to help you and sometimes to a fault of my quota uh, or my company not getting what it expected. So uh, I think that that genuine nature to help people, I get a little bit closer to it with this. I'm still satiating the technical smart parts of my brain by being in tech. And I'm still satiating that ability to work with people and high caliber people by being attached to the sales org. I do think sometimes maybe if the role were right, I could go back into it, but maybe not in a traditional uh, individual contributor tech sales world.
0: Yeah. Well, what is uh, you know cool about it is you are impacting more people by doing what you're doing, and you know you can if you you can take some of that passion and some of those lessons learned from other people and just continue to share that with all the new people that come through the different programs that that you're involved with, and you know, clearly you've you assessed what you felt like was your strength what made you happy where did you feel like you could excel and you just didn't sit back and say i'm not happy doing one thing i'm going to go do what i really want to do when you went after it and i think that's you know part of this podcast it's not just about sales it's about being successful and you i think you did a lot of the right things to identify you know what are your strengths and how do you really go maximize and leverage them so i commend you for that
1: thanks you know when you're good at something you tell other people when you're great they tell you right so I felt like I was getting that feedback from people. I was really good at it. And it, you know, it takes a a lot to figure something out. It's not that easy as I've probably made it sound. And there was turmoil and gray area all over that track. But you have to look back at it and be pretty happy with how it's panned out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think anybody that looks back after a full career of working in you know the corporate world of in some role um you're going to have multiple roles over that time frame and you're going to have to reset what you do and reset how you do it and relearn a whole different level of skill sets and by the way if uh if you're not uncomfortable you're not growing you know that's just the fact um also hey Travis let me ask you this so in the, in the enablement role, you, you've been doing it now for really going on almost three years now. So you've seen a high number of salespeople come through your programs. And I, I imagine you've had an opportunity to stay connected with some of them afterwards. You know, have you seen any common trends or what have you learned from some of the most successful reps over the last uh, few years? yeah
1: successful reps man it's such an interesting pool to people to look at the ones who are really those top performers in your mind the people who just have it you you might not be able to place your thumb on it but you know that when you engage with them you're like wow that was all inspiring i don't care what you're selling i'm buying it Um, those people are always in high demand and it doesn't really matter how they feel their year is going sometimes they don't even pay such close attention to their number and work backwards to fight this number or worry about where deals are commit. Um, but it's a much more natural cadence for them. I noticed that they'll, they might even go company to company and wherever they go, they're successful. So that tells me that it's not just about the product you have, which is a notion I had in advertising. You look at brands like uh, Krispy Kreme and Sriracha, household names people know that spend no money on advertising because it's such a good product. You think, oh man, if I just had a good product, I'd be able to sell it. But you see salespeople all the time go from job to job or in the great resignation, they've reconsidered how they want to do something and they are still succeeding. Um, I think that that it factor is really around engagement. Um, It's around your personality, being a good person. There are things that you can sharpen. There's a lot of different personality traits you can have. I was always the the studious, helpful person to you. Uh, I'm reading the white papers with your engineers. Uh, You can be totally aloof from that. I don't know anything about sports. You can get somebody who's really knowledgeable about sports and wants to take you to the games and builds the relationship that way. There's a lot of ways to do it, but it's that at the end of the day, you are genuine in what type of impact you're trying to make. Uh, people that know that they want to help you or that they know they want to make money and uh, they know that their customers know that about them. And they're finding the tangible solutions that work between that. That's probably the other thing I notice a lot is. We all get these ideas in our heads of our product being the best, or we're inundated with Kool-Aid and we drink it and say our product is the best instead of getting a real world view of yourself. That's something I probably got from the channel initially because you know partners could sell anything they wanted, especially the service providers. We were a small part of their equation sometimes and getting a feel for knowing where you're at in the world helps you just embrace your personality, embrace your relationship, and lean into those things to go where you're welcomed, where you're wanted. Um, identify those things quicker and knock them down.
0: Yeah, you know, it's uh, there's a theme in what you said there, and I, I, if I could just pick one word, I think I'd pick uh, relationships. Right? There's a lot of things that go into establishing a good relationship. You know, likability, being genuine, being a good person you know, adding value first before asking for a bunch of stuff from your customer. But I mean, it all nets out to, you know, are you establishing and building great relationships with your contacts, not just when you want to sell them something. And I think, you know, that is more important than it's ever been as we start to come out of the pandemic. Because so many people have been sitting back and just kind of functionally working through business over Zoom. You know, it's you know, we need to get back to some of the the basics around relationship building in person and, and you know, kind of getting out of the office. Yeah, you know, we can go have those great meetings and take care of the business. But, you know, we're also working with people and people, you know, they make emotional decisions and they make decisions based on personal needs, oftentimes over the business needs. So you have to have that relationship to understand what it is and how you can serve it to really, um, you know, win one person at a time?
1: I mean, people buy from people at the end of the day. And uh, if you go on long enough, every year I add into my career, I notice how my network really helps me. Uh, It's not just referrals or something like that to make quick bonuses. It's some of the small conversations of learning from each other. But eventually you get relationships with old customers, old partners, they go to new areas. One of the only ways I was able to prospect new partners was I had a uh, a partner and they left and they went to a new company. I said, Oh, tell me what's going on over there. And boom, it's the new label for you. So uh, leveraging that network, leveraging the relationships. Uh, It's funny. Something you said there is we're going back out into the world and creating relationships. And I, I think there's, Some like easing of those expectations. You know, I don't think I could show up to a meeting in sweatpants like I can at a Zoom call, but maybe employers are a little bit more tolerant of how your hair looks or how casual you're dressing or something, even though they are recognizing that in person connection. I just went to my first in person sales kickoff for the first time in three years and wow, what a difference it made to like network in person with people, see them, just the conversations, how much quicker you can have them. And uh, I, I half my family's Italian. So I use my hands a lot when I speak, like it's a part of effective communication, no matter how good you are at trying to do it in your little zoom
0: box. Yeah. Uh, so true. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit. So you had recently posted a uh, in LinkedIn and this this actually caught my attention, which is why I had reached out to you to reconnect um, on a book about the art of presentations. I think it was titled something like making yourself memorable. And then I saw that you earned some type of certificate certificate for training. Uh, well, what's the book? Say it's funny. It's
1: right here on my desk. I, I've got it right here. I was just, I'm like halfway through it. Uh, by a coworker of mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then I saw that you've got a certification for persuasion through presentation. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Sure. It's it's funny because my company I'm at now, we're going through this big MedPIC certification and we're getting all of our regional directors educated on it. And then it's going kind to of trickle down. And you start looking into, OK, who can certify us on this? And, you, you know, Chris, I'll give you a certification. If you want to pay me a couple thousand dollars, I'll put together something really nice and print you out a piece of paper. And I've, I've got two of my certifications on the wall here, but they're really cogent. You know, they're, they're really legitimate things still. And The one that is for uh, presentation is uh, one of the things that Citrix gifted me with. I felt I had always talked well in front of people. I knew how to engage an audience. I actually hated slideshows. And that certification taught me a lot about how I need to slow down was probably my biggest thing. uh, that that I tend to talk fast. A lot of people have filler words. That's the next biggest thing that I got out of that certification almost to the point of being so frustrated, like I wanted to cry in front of my manager because they're hitting like a buzzer every time I say, uh, or um, you know, any of those fillers in there. And going through that process uh, taught me some of those things, how to use slides really effectively, the visual designs, the small things we do to keep audience attention. Uh, For me, sometimes it's humor as well, but moving your hands around in an effective way, taking effective pauses like that. Uh, th- those little things can really add up, putting the right inflection at certain parts of a question or word. Um, how you can get even a customer to answer poll questions is not just for enablement, but uh, those different ways that you can keep a customer's attention. Somebody is way more likely to buy if they absorb what you're saying. You know, we, we spend so much time prepping as salespeople and sharpening the ax before we chop the tree down. That certification was something impactful for me to realize I mean, that you can really take things to the next level. Citrix focused almost a third of its time on that training, making people effective presenters.
0: I hope you are enjoying this episode. I wanted to break in with a quick commercial. During the podcast, we sometimes talk about how to invest those hard-earned commission dollars so that you can build that freedom we are all working towards achieving. Now, I built that through 20 years of real estate investing. Now, recently, my team helped me put together a webinar on how top sales pros can create passive income and achieve financial freedom with hands-off real estate investing. Now, I'm still doing this. and As I continue to invest, I'm giving opportunity for others to learn and invest alongside of me. So, if you want to learn more, go check out our webinar at hightechfreedom.com forward slash webinar. That is hightechfreedom.com forward slash webinar. We will also put the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Yeah, it's uh, I, years and years ago, I was, I was sitting in on a presentation by somebody from IBM and he lost the room. He, he he, clearly needed to get off the slides, but he said multiple times, I need to go clear the slides, right? I mean, back then they had trained him. You had to go deliver the message. You had to go deliver the content. And it's just a tool for conversation. I, I guess I'm curious if you had to pick the, what was the one, I guess, most effective or maybe your favorite thing that, you know, if you could just leave one lesson to the audience about presenting and presenting with slides, what might it be? Hmm.
1: Well, anytime I'll give you two there then. So anytime you're going to have a meeting with somebody and you might not even be using slides, maybe I use my own notes here. Maybe at the end of the call, I pull up an Excel sheet that has everybody's responsibilities after the call designated. It's to conduct the room, let the audience know what you're expecting. I have to do the same thing in enablement still. Hey, we're cameras on. Hey, it's okay if your camera's off hey, go into this breakout. You have to click the blue accept button, um, answer this poll, write these things down in the beginning of the meeting. Things like that and telling them that you're expecting to have this camera on, how much time you're going to take. People appreciate knowing those breakdowns. Sometimes you don't want to give such rigid answers if you're hoping to maintain an element of flexibility or if you're having good dialogue and it it slows parts of your presentation down. But I think commanding the room and directing everybody to what you want to do it's got to be in the first 10 seconds. You know, Out the gate, you're the one asking people how they're doing. You're the one with the notes on their personality. You should be following up about their kids and where they're going to college or their new car. Whatever it is, uh, you command that room and let them know what your expectations are for the meeting. If I had to say something about just slides in general, there is a lot of science behind how slides look and keeping audience attention. We've all been in this situation where somebody pulls up an eye store of a chart. They even say, Oh, I'm sorry, this is an eye store, right? I hear the wrong phrase a lot, an eye chart. Um, when you pull those things up, it loses your audience attention. When you have no pictures in it, it's not as much of a visual aid. Um, the use of animations is probably the biggest thing that I took away. And for to use them, not people, to use them, to use them. To okay. use them. And I, I actually have been preaching this for a long time now, and I just got the first person to. Give uh, give me an objection at my company today saying, like, oh, well, I was always trained not to use them because they're distracting or that they are whatever. And I, I think if you use them in the right way, they shouldn't be distracting. I'm not talking about weird spirally things or checkerboarding things. Things just have to appear and pop up. And if you put even five bullet points on the screen, you might say the first five words of the first one. I'm starting to read the other ones and I've lost you anyway. So animation lets you reserve some information. It also keeps the eyes moving. Uh, The other, uh, there's a statistic out there from David Parody, who uh, Citrix is a really big fan of, and we've had some interaction on LinkedIn, uh, but he's got a a site called Think Outside the Slide. And there's a lot of studies he'll even highlight in there about eye movement. And if your eyes are moving every two or three seconds, which sounds really frequent, you should just keep engagement the entire time with an audience. So the, the use of animations or of changing slides, of pulling up a different thing, let me share this Excel sheet or Um, Having them look at you, then look at the slides if you're in person or look at their notebooks and write something down, their calendars, whatever it is, that eye movement is a very easy, natural way to keep people engaged. And then that second tip, just in general, that confidence, command of the room.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's I mean, you said it right. It's it's keeping them engaged. So however you do it, whether it's pausing to ask questions, um, something that keeps them interacting acting with the slide you know, to write something down, it's, it's engaging your audience. And I, you know, I, I, I kind of, one of the things I've always tried to do was one keep, you know, no more than three, at least for a sales type presentation, the technical stuff, put that aside for the moment, no more than three bullets, right? No more than three points. And then what's that objective of that slide. I'm always trying to think through when I'm developing it, what do I want them to take away from this slide? Or what do I want to get for maybe for information? from the audience um, and how do I engage them in a conversation? And if I never get through all the slides, hey, that was a successful presentation because that means we were talking.
1: We talk too much, right? And a lot of times you you hit that uh, area where you say, oops, uh, we've already covered this in my slider. Oh, that's later in the presentation. Don't cut that off, let that organic conversation happen. And when you hit it later, it would be a good reminder and keep people engaged. You're, you're really correct about the the rule of three there there's some rule about how humans can memorize seven different things like numbers or shapes and stuff. And that steeply falls off. But if you ask about objectives and you ask somebody in five minutes, Hey, what were the three objectives of this training? They can't recall them. You know, it's really challenging. And, and the fall off is much, it's very steep after three more so than that, like seven digit or a random shape thing. Um, It's, it's a really steep fall off. The other thing to keep attention is not just those rules of three, And I recommend that, especially the higher up the ladder you go, that people can't really focus on more than three objectives. You don't want something like your POCs to have more than three success criteria uh, because you'll just spin your cycles or stack up against yourself. It is what you alluded to, the why. You have to hit the why in the beginning. If your why is three whys, that's okay. But if you, a lot of salespeople, a lot of trainers, you jump into the how and the what. Here's the technology. Here's why it's so great. To your point, people buy on personal reasons that you mentioned earlier. Tell me what personal pain of mind this is solving and then keep it concise enough to keep my interest. Uh, if you start with a why and then you move into the what and the how, you get a lot less what if in questions at the end. And that's something new that I've been able to pick up from that book and, and from my coworker um, in a different way of kind of aligning my thinking. I used to think I have to just have a captivating intro. Here's where I need to pause and ask the audience if they have questions, or pick out a specific member, something like that. And I find that the stronger I can make that why in the beginning, the more somebody naturally wants to pay attention. For salespeople, it's often put in dollars and cents. For your executives and your buyers, it's often those personal pain points, and maybe some personal ones come from the at work life too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah good stuff. Well, as we get uh, as we start to wrap up here, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience?
1: Um, anything else that I'd like to share with the audience? Um, I I really do want to encourage everybody uh, in your syndicate. I I talk about the great resignation a lot too in LinkedIn. I think we're in a really unique standpoint right now. And I think that it's a good time for salespeople uh, as if they need an excuse uh, to be selfish. Um, salespeople, workers in general right now, I feel as if, though, there's a lot of momentum for workers' movements and for getting what you want, what you ask for. I'm now on the West Coast. I'm just a few hours north of you out here in Seattle, and I came all the way from the opposite corner of the country in Florida. I had proposed to my last job to let me move out here, to fly me back once a month for the trainings that had to be in person, do the others virtual. I used all the objective handling skills I train on and, and couldn't get them to budge on it. so eventually I I made a a move and it's something that there's all that gray space and that you don't know if things are going to work out the right way, but you think you have the vision in your head. I just encourage everybody to listen to that vision. You absolutely can design your life. And we are in a great place right now in the world where companies are consolidating. Some are succeeding really well and have a bunch of open headcount. No matter what role you are in or are interested in you can make those shifts now and intentionally set up what the next five to 10 looks like. So that's, uh, I guess what I want to leave everybody with and uh, encourage everybody to have that fulfilling life, to have that freedom, whether it's in high tech or some sort of other area to, to get out there and, um, craft your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, good advice. Um, well, I, I like to ask each guest. Um, you know, what do you do to give back? Is there any uh, charitable causes or or something that uh, that you're focused or passionate about?
1: Sure, uh, really important too, right? Uh, one so that you can write your taxes off, but two so you can be a a good person and, and use some of that great sales money that we get to to help others out. Uh, For me, since my mother was a teacher, I always give back to the county that I'm from. I encourage everybody to look at their own counties and school districts you come from. There's probably ways to support this. Whether you send your kids to to a private institution or public, uh, our public schools and education, I always think are a great base and area to get a a solid foundation for any future hope you have. So there's one up there called the Future Foundation uh, for Volusia County. Anytime that I've... Spare change. I like to look there because for you can donate any amount of money, but normally for a few hundred dollars, you can find something a teacher entirely needs for a project that surrounds anything you're interested in. I think the future needs, if it's music and math, if it's history or if it's civic engagement, you can find a lot of different ways to support education with specific grants that matter to you. Uh, now that I am in Seattle, uh, a part of the focus of moving out here for me was to see how somewhere that's a bigger city maturely handles its houseless population. So in Florida, we see a lot of that. In South Florida, we see a lot of it. It's a transient state and um, a lot of people end up needy and getting this kind of negative feedback loop. So I am hoping out here to learn how I can help the houseless more and be engaged with them.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds like two great areas. Uh, Yeah, on the teacher front, I mean, you can go to any teacher. There's no shortage of things that they need for their classrooms. So every every, every amount helps. Travis. Yeah. It was, absolutely. Yeah. Hey man, it's been great c- catching up and reconnecting with you. I really appreciate your time today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and I'm looking forward to staying in touch and seeing more great episodes pump out and probably take advantage of some real estate advice here soon too.
0: Yeah. Likewise. Well, thank you again. Take care. Thanks again for joining us today. your best week ever.